Welcome to PPM Simplifies. This is a weekly podcast that will help you have a better understanding on environmental regulations and how they relate to your industry. In each episode, we'll talk with experts across various industries who will share their insights with you. This is PPM Simplifies. We're joined by one of our finest, uh, one of the principals in the firm out of our Birmingham, Alabama office, Zane Hood. Zane's an engineer uh, and a rabid University of Alabama fan, in case you didn't catch that on the last podcast. Uh, Zane, what would you say to our listening audience today? Roll Tide. <laughs> That's perfect, man. You <laughs> took that cheese, didn't you? <laughs> hey, great to have you. And we got a cool topic to talk about. Um, it's something that, that many, many facilities have to have, uh, and that's an SPCC plan. And what we'd like to do is just simplify that topic for, you know, our audience. And to do that, we could have a better person in the world to do this with us other than Zane. And Zane, let's get to it if it's okay with you. Let's go. All right. So let, let's start from the very beginning. What is an SPCC plan? Well, SPCC stands for Spill Prevention Control and Countermeasures. Very simply, it's just being ready for a spill, making sure you got the right infrastructure in place, the right procedures, and the right training. So is there any kind of mechanism where I could identify, does my facility need an SPCC plan? The SPCC rule, Todd, is is basically formulated in the Code of Federal Regulation Part 112. It is, uh, you know, a couple pages. But within it, there's a lot of interpretation and a lot of information, and it, it, it can be very, very simple, and it can also get very complicated. It was a 1973, I believe, in the Clean Water Act was where the SPCC rule came into effect. So it's been around a long time. So, so it's a way for facilities, if they store liquid chemicals, to, to be protective of the environment, of waterways, Etc. Is there any kind of trigger amount, uh, depending on maybe what type of material is, is, is stored at the site? Yeah. First of all, it has to be an oil. Okay. That the SPCC rule is uh, about oil storage, and that is under discussion right now. The EPA is actually looking at adding uh, chemicals to that, so that's going to complicate matters. But we can make that another podcast. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. So the definition of oil. It's pretty broad, but basically, if it will make a sheen on water, then it's most likely going to be an oil. So it's got to be an oil. And then you start looking at the quantities. If it's got containers greater than 55 gallons, just a 55-gallon drum, uh, then anything containerized from 55 gallons and up is subject to the calculation. It's got to have more than 1,320 gallons and then it becomes subject to the SPCC rule. Thinking about SPCC plans, and, and there are tools to where your facility has a plan to, to be protected in, in the event of some type of leak, you know, failure of, of a containment vessel. Are there different, I mean, you've alluded to this already, but maybe let's eliminate this. What are the different types of plans that, that you could, you know, that are they're in the SPCC rule? It is so variable. That's a great question because the industry, there are 
hundreds of thousands of facilities across the country that are subject to this rule, and they vary. It can be it can be a very simple uh, a car dealership that is storing, you know, two or three thousand gallons of oil. They might have some used oil and some oil that they use to dispense when they do oil changes. Um, but they would be subject to the SPCC rule. And on the other end of the spectrum, you might have a pipeline terminal that has millions and millions of gallons of fuel or a refinery that has millions of gallons of fuel. So there's a broad spectrum and everything in between there. And one thing that EPA did with the rule change uh, uh, maybe 10 or 15 years ago uh, is they had a self-certified option. If you store less than 10,000 gallons of fuel and you don't have a single tank greater than 5,000 gallons, you can actually use a checklist. EPA created a checklist uh, that you can go down and complete that checklist and self-certify it. You don't have to hire an engineer to do the plan. Now, often our clients will hire us to do those checklists for them because they don't know what any of it means. And uh, we'll be glad to help anybody with that. Um, but it can be done by the owner and doesn't have to be certified by the engineer. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, if you've got more than a million gallons of storage, then you've got to do a facility response plan. Now, there's it gets a little more detailed than that. But for the most part, if you have more than a million gallons or you transfer oil over water, then you've got to have a facility response plan. Coast Guard can get involved, too, if you get it transferred over water. Um, so there's a very broad range, but facility response plans are kind of like SPCC plans on steroids. It's it's much bigger, much more entailed. It's got more training exercises involved, and it's much more voluminous in terms of the size and the capacity of the document. And, and Zane, I know you just covered a really big territory um, on our podcast and 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 I think the takeaway there is it you know it's, it's dependent on where your facility sits uh you know by navigable water or not what kind of quantities do you have you know certainly are there oils but I think a takeaway that always when I think about SPCC plans and I hope that that a lot of us listening to podcasts think this way they're they're really good tools because if it's done right don't you think these are great things to break out from time to time and review them and make sure your staff is ready and unfortunate, you know, if there was some kind of unfortunate event that occurs, um, I mean, that that's the real purpose of them, just trying to make sure that you're prepared and, and, and stay sharp. Well, not only is it a good idea, it's a requirement of the there we go that you have a training component of it. So, um, and, you know, that generally uh, facilities, particularly industrial facilities, they're going to have a lot of training that they conduct when it comes to safety, when it comes to spill prevention and control, when it comes to stormwater and their best management practices, all those things can be combined together. You want to create, you know, a culture at the facility that uh, that facilitates knowledge and preparedness when it comes to those things. So. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt about it. And I know, Thousands, I would say, SPCC plans have been prepared for by our firm. Do they have to be updated on any particular schedule? Well, they're, they're, the rule, there's they're a little bit of confusion surrounding that because, you know, a lot of people say that it has to be recertified by an engineer every five years. 
Well, it, it's not. That's not really the case. It has to have a, an, a, a review every five years, and if there are technical amendments and technical changes, then those have to be certified by a professional engineer. So the question becomes, well, what is a technical amendment? If you if you're changing products at a facility, if you're changing, if you're adding, you know, containers, uh, new products, new infrastructure, those become technical amendments at your facility. And the engineer needs to certify those changes and make sure that you meet the rule requirements. But if you're just hiring a new person or changing staff, then that's not that's not a technical amendment. That's an administrative amendment. And the facility can do that on their own. And it's important to keep that in mind because, you know, if if your facility is operating like it did, you know, five years earlier when the SPCC plan was created, you know, you can continue to move forward. But if you bring in additional, like you said, uh, storage vessels, gallage, et cetera, things change, then, then you've got to really assess, do I need to, to get this updated? And, and if you do, then that is the every, so you're saying every five years on, can I give this facility a five-year window to, is it the same? Is it changed? And if it has changed, do we need to update the plan? That's right. And, you know, you have to be very careful because if you have a containment area that uh, that is there to collect the spill in the event of a tank rupture or failure, God forbid, but if that happens and you add another tank in there, then you begin to take, maybe even if it's a smaller tank, well, you've displaced some of the volume of that containment capacity and the rule has that in place so that an engineer looks at all of that holistically and evaluates you know the the compliance in the plan to make sure it meets the rule requirement so so i'll take a, a quick a quick mental break and ask you this question i think it'd be kind of fun i you know unfortunately when deepwater horizon happened you know, there were plans and countermeasure plans on that rig. And as they began to explore those, we heard the funny, funny thing that in the Gulf of Mexico, that there was consideration given to polar bears and what to do in the event if you encounter a polar bear <laughs> down the Gulf of Mexico. Okay. Um, and, and I guess at some point that could have happened, but, but certainly not in our time. Uh, in your experience, and you've probably looked at literally thousands of, of SPCC plans in your career. Uh, do you recall anything really funny that you saw in one you're kind of like, holy smokes, I can't believe they put this in there or they left this in there. Have you ever seen anything silly like that? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know that there's a whole lot that is funny about SPCC plans. <laughs> I'm trying to find something. I don't know something. that I can really find humor in that, Todd. But, uh, but I definitely look at a lot of plans. And, um, I, you know, one of the things we get, our clients will send us and say, hey, can you update our plan? You know, sometimes we get those, we look at them, and it's absolutely great. You know, we can go in there and do a minimal amount of work, and we can update that plan. But oftentimes, when they ask us to update their plans, their their interpretation of the rule is inaccurate. Um, they're, uh, you know, there are a lot of little things that uh, in the history of the 50-year history of the SPCC rule that you can imagine – they're in there the interpretations change over the course of time. So a plan that was initially prepared in, you know, 1997, you know, is it, it, if it's updated over time, but they don't consider reinterpretation of the rule, then, you know, thing over time, things become very inaccurate. So we're always very careful when people tell us, hey, well, you just update our plan. There's just a few little things that have changed. Well, we've got to certify that 
engineer has to put their stamp on that. And so if their containment is built based on the old rule of 110% of the volume of the largest tank, that was, that was perfectly accepted in the nineties. Well, in 2020, it's not. It, it was, it was basically the 24 hour storm, uh, that had to be considered, you know, the, the, the largest tank plus sufficient freeboard for precipitation. So that's a common one that we see. So we're always having to evaluate everything about the rule and that takes time and energy and effort. So simple updates quite often become full redos. And that, and that, that makes sense. And maybe you could say that, uh, it's certainly not funny, but there are times you've encountered where there's a plan at a facility, but the plan didn't really match that facility or the facility change what was written. And that does happen. And that, that requires, you know, a lot of work to make it right. Yep. That's right. Another question I think our audience would like to know would be on our, the SPCC rule received its last revision, although it took a long time to implement in 2002. Uh, have you heard anything out there? I know you alluded to that maybe there's some other things other than oils being considered to be brought into the SPCC world. When do you think you might see a rewrite from the EPA in the next, you know, three to five years, the next 10 years? What does your crystal ball say? <clears throat> well, that, that's a good question. Um, you know, it, all those things, uh, unfortunately, they tie closely to politics and administrations and the current administration. There's if, if, if we continue to have environmental initiatives at the pace that we are, I think you could you could see come forward for promulgation prior to an administration change. Now, whether it gets actually promulgated and and it happens um, I'm sure it would be litigated by many groups and there'll be comments. Um, that's the way those things work. They take a lot of time. For example, the 2002 rule really, I mean, it, there was a lot of changes in that rule. Some of them were good. Some of them were really good and some of them were not so good, but it really didn't get implemented fully for probably five to eight years. I mean, so those things happen slowly because there's a lot of stakeholders that are affected. And, and groups come out of the woodworks, you know, with commentary, with pushback, with lobby. So it's a timely process. I think this might be, um, one, one more question, Zane. Man, this has been fantastic. I think you've illuminated a lot of areas and I really appreciate you making time to do this with us. But I guess my last question for you is this. Uh, if I have a facility, I'm out there and I catch our podcast, I'm like, you know, I don't think I've got an SPCC plan. Uh, and then I realize I should have had an SPCC plan, uh, but I don't have one. Is there any penalty to, to saying, gosh, I should have had it, but I didn't, but I know I need it. So let me go ahead and get it in place now. Uh, can, can you do that? Uh, well, the, uh, there's not a single one answer to that, but just <laughs> I would say that when it comes to the federal rule, uh, when you prepare an SBCC plan, it's not submitted anywhere. Right. Uh, so I would say if EPA shows up at your facility and you're without an SPCC plan, then yes, there will be an implication to that. There will be a fine, maybe a consent order, uh, you know, but if you just acknowledge it on your own and prepare the plan, then since it's not submitted, 
uh, I think you're okay. Um, I, think- I, I will say this in some states, people that store oil, they, uh, the, the state trust fund will cover those spills. Like in Alabama, for instance, if you have an above ground storage tank, and you have that properly registered and you have a spill plan in place and you have a spill, then you'll be covered for the cleanup by that fund, less a deductible. So if you don't have it, then there can be an implication from that aspect. A fantastic answer. And, and I'm with you there. Uh, you know, if somehow you recognize you don't have a plan or you're not sure your plan's right, it's never too late to step up. You'd rather do it on your own that that have a you know uh, environmental authority, be it state or federal, come in and say uh, you don't have a plan, you need a plan, or the plan's not right because there's a lot of, of ricochets can come off that. So I think that's great. And there are states like you mentioned, Alabama, Arkansas, come to mind that do uh, cover above ground storage tanks, and that's that's cheap insurance and and good policy. So uh, man, well said, Zane, fantastic man. Thank you so much for your time. And as always. Uh, if you'd like more information on this topic, you can contact uh, Zane or myself at our website, ppmco.com. There's an About Us section where you can contact us. And if you've got a question, just don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, Zane, any last thoughts uh, to our um, our brave audience out there? Uh, I would say Roll Tide once again. <laughs> you bookended it, didn't you? <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Todd. Hey, great job, man. And uh, to, to, to our audience, thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. And uh, we'll see you next time on EPM Simplifies. Thank you for finding our podcast. For more information, be sure to visit our website at ppmco.com. To stay updated on new episodes, feel free to subscribe to PPM Simplifies on your podcast app of choice. Until next time, this is PPM Simplifies.